0: One day, this nation will rise up, live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. Take a stand for that which is right. Go on to jail if necessary, but you never go alone. The world may misunderstand you and criticize you, but you never go alone. Hey, but it really doesn't matter with me now because I've been to the mountaintop. So I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. My eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord.
1: First of all, I'm glad you're here. Thank you. For being here. We never take that for granted. Welcome all the campuses. Come on, just celebrate them. We love you guys at all of our campus locations. But I just want to say, I want to say, I want to say, listen, I know it's a big, bold statement, but it is so true. I don't know that I have ever been more excited than I am for this upcoming sermon series that begins a week from today titled The Preacher King telling you church we we went on location we took a hundred folks we took two big charter buses and I preached in uh the great late Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s pulpit in uh Atlanta and in Montgomery and we had all these on-site locations and listen they might have killed the dreamer but I believe the dream is still alive and I believe that the church the church should be on the front lines of declaring that we serve a God that created all people black man, brown man, white man, and we still have a long way to go. So I am so stinking excited about this series. I cannot even contain myself. Um, I believe you received a Preacher King card on your way in, did you? Will you hold that up at all of our campus locations? Hold it up, wave it around, get, get the winds of Pentecost blowing up in here. Now, for those of you who've been with me a long time, what do we do with those cards? Hand them out to somebody. If you, if you can't hand out a card to invite people to a church like this, To talk about a subject like this, something's wrong. Because everybody knows this is an issue that we still have a long way to go. And uh, so hand that out to somebody. Give it to a neighbor. Give it to a colleague. Give it to a friend. If you're not on talking terms with your neighbor and they get on your last nerves, get up at 3 o'clock in the morning and slip that bad boy in their mailbox or something. I mean, whatever it takes. Get these out. Because this is a series that's going to be educational, it's going to be historical, and it's going to be transformational. Next Sunday, it all kicks off. Hey, one more quick announcement before we get into the Word today. Abundant Life membership class is just a few weeks away. Abundant Life membership class, some of you have been asking about that. You want to become a member of this church. Monday, May 21st at 6 p.m. Write it down, mark it down. Monday, May 21st, 6 p.m. I'll meet you right in here, and we always have a lot of fun at that. Hey, um, y'all might be wondering, what is a diving board doing on stage? Hey, how many, how many of you like jumping off the diving board? How many? Yeah, maybe about a quarter of you. How, how many of you don't get on a diving board anymore? You, listen, in the name of Jesus, get on a diving board this summer. Do a cannonball or something. I, I'm just wondering, I thought about this, because if, if, this thing is mounted in. I mean, I can do this. If, if I go off of here and, and do a one and a half, which I can still do. My son is over there. He can attest to it. I can do a gainer. If I do a one and a half off of this downboard, would y'all catch me? Would y'all really? Would you, would you catch me? Some of you are like, forget it. Others are, but I, this is a pretty loving group. I think, I think they would catch me. I got to tell a quick story. I wasn't planning on this. We had a, we had a student worship leader one time. His name was Rowan. And they were having one of those big worship concerts in here, a student worship event. They do them like quarterly. All the campuses come together. And Rowan was leading worship, and he got carried away. He thought he got tied up in the spirit, and he decided that he was going to stage dive. It was a mosh pit down here. He decided he was going to stage dive. True story. And he, he staged—how do you say that? He staged dove. And um, he went up—I mean, he committed to it. I mean, he went all in. And the students— Parted like the Red Sea. No. <laughs> and he, he went out. Bam. Landed right on the floor. It was awesome. <laughs> and um, he resigned six months later. <laughs> he did. True story. I'm not kidding. Um, but, but I believe this group would catch me. Today. Don't worry. I'm not going to try it. <laughs> Today you get to hear from. My good friend, um, one of our teaching pastors, Mike Bro, And um, some of you met him last time he was here. Mike has pastored great churches in Las Vegas, Kentucky, uh, Chicago. He's in Southern California now suffering for Jesus out there in Southern Cal. And um, let me tell you something. He just delivered one of the best messages I've heard in a long time. You are in for such a treat Today. So grab those teaching notes. Grab that pen. Go ahead and lean in. God is about to minister to us as a church and you as an individual today. Do what you always do. Show honor where honor is due. And welcome, my friend, one of our teaching pastors, Mike Bro.
2: Man, it is, uh, it is uh, so great to be back with y'all, and uh, I've been looking forward to this for a long time. When I look at my calendar and I see new hope on my calendar, I get all fired up. I, I live in uh, Southern California. We would say I get stoked uh, when I get to come here. I'm trying to learn the lingo. I'm from Kentucky, so it's good to be back in the place where I can say y'all and all y'all know what I mean when I say y'all. So I always look forward to getting to come to North Carolina and being a part of this uh, amazing amazing church uh, i want to want to welcome all of our campuses as well those of you that might be joining us online uh grateful you guys are with us as well cool through the miracle of technology that we get to do this together really literally all over the world is really really cool and those of you that might have graduated this weekend uh you know i know there's people doing that congratulations to you guys glad you're here this weekend uh hats off to you and a, and a big uh, we're proud of you kind of moment today uh, I don't know whether you guys are like me and you're, you're like a movie buff. Anybody like movies? Uh, real, real quick, uh, I'm going to give you like 30 seconds to do this. Just turn to somebody around right close to you and just give them your top three movies of all time. Right off the top of your head. Ready? Go. Top three. Let me give you my top five movies of all time. And I, I'm just going to th- throw this out here, knowing that your top three or whatever are not going to be the same as mine. Mine are not going to be the same as yours. You're going to hear some of these go, that's the stupidest movie I've ever seen in my life. And I would say the same about maybe your, we all got different tastes in, in movies. And I want to preface my top five by telling you this. I had a really hard time uh, keeping Braveheart, uh, Tombstone, Shawshank, tommy boy and dumb and dumber off this list they're all like honorable mention for me uh, but number five for me is part of the trilogy I don't even even had to say what movie i'm talking about when i want to talk about the trilogy of course i'm talking about toy story one two and three like i love the toy story movies i think pixar ought to make all films i just love uh, the Toy Story movies. Number four for me was a movie that was based on a television show that I watched when I was a kid. It was, I remember it was in black and white. It's was about this guy named Dr. Richard Kimball who was accused of killing his wife, but he didn't really kill his wife. They made it in a movie with Tommy Lee Jones and Harrison Ford called The Fugitive. And uh, whenever I'm flipping channels and I hit The Fugitive, i got to watch it for a while. I know what's going to happen, but it's just an amazing movie. There's like train crashes and bus wrecks and does a swan dive off a dam. It's just an awesome movie. Uh, number three for me probably didn't make your list. It's just quirky, it's goofy, but I love it. It's a movie called The Princess Bride. You ever seen this movie? You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Dumb, dumb movie, but it makes me laugh every time, every time I, I see it. Num- number two for me is equally stupid, but uh, in our family, when growing up, uh, we had some mental health issues in our family. With honestly, we did, and and sometimes, sometimes you just have to go with the flow and learn to laugh and choose joy along the way, and that's why this movie really resonated with me. It's about this really neurotic guy who drives this psychiatrist crazy. It's a movie called What About Bob uh, with Bill Murray and Richard Dreyfuss. It's one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. And uh, Bill Murray plays this neurotic guy named Bob Wiley. He's so funny. But there's a great scene in the movie uh, where he's sitting around with all these doctors in a mental health institution. He, they think he's the funniest guy they've ever met. He's cracking them all up. He goes, hey, roses are red, violets are blue. I'm schizophrenic, and so am I. That's just, that's just a great line. It is a great line. Uh, but my favorite movie, my, my number one movie anyway, and it probably isn't yours, but for me it was. I walked out of this movie going, What did I just witness? That was amazing. I mean, cinematography was amazing. The acting was stellar. The soundtrack was killer. The storyline was just like something I've never seen in my life. The way they brought the, the past and the present together and mixed it, I was like, Wow, that was, that was incredible. And I, and I walked out of that movie learning three very profound things from my life the first thing I learned was life is like a box of chocolates you you, you never know what you're gonna get and I learned as stupid is as stupid does that stupid has nothing to do with your IQ everything to do with your decision-making ability and your promise-keeping ability and the third thing I learned was so so freeing for a, like a pastor, communicator, teacher guy. Because I used to work really, really hard on the conclusion to my talks. And after that movie, I thought, I could just end by saying, that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> just be done. It was like freedom. Of course, the movie I'm talking about is Forrest Gump. And uh, it won an Academy Award about this simple guy who just tried to keep his promises the best he could, try to love people the way he, he just, he's just a very unique individual. And, uh, but there's a scene at the end of this movie where, where he's standing at the grave of his wife, Jenny, who made a lot of bad decisions in her life and died at a young age because of it. He's standing there. It's a really kind of a, you know, a tear jerking kind of scene where he talks about their little boy and all this stuff. And, but then he, then he asks this question. He says, I don't know whether it was Mama or Lieutenant Dan that was right. Do we just kind of show up accidental-like and float around accidental-like like a feather on a breeze? Or do we have a destiny? And when I heard him ask that question, I thought, that's the question that everybody who ever walks this planet has to come to grips with. Do we just kind of show up accidental-like and float around accidental-like like a feather on a breeze? Or do you and I have a destiny. And I look around our culture, our society, and, and tragically, I think a lot of people have bought in the option number one, that we really do just kind of show up accidental like and we float around accidental like like a feather on a breeze. I mean, I understand it because we're taught at a very young age that we came from nothing, and we're going to nothing. So basically, everything in between would be kind of a big nothing, right? I mean, if, there, if there's no destiny, then there's no purpose, if there's no purpose, there's no plan. If there's no plan, there's no direction. If there's no direction, like, like Vinci's been talking about lately, there's no guardrails to our life. There's no right. There's no wrong. There's no such thing as absolute truth. It's all kind of a big whatever. In fact, that's the one word that sociologists have used for the past two decades to describe our culture. Whatever. Whatever. Man, you got to cheat to get ahead and pass, pass your test whatever you want to get wasted on the weekend whatever you want to hook up on spring break whatever if you need to cover your tracks to make your business succeed eh, whatever i just read this morning that since the weather warmed up in chicago 74 people since monday have been shot in chicago 74 people have been shot i heard about a gang member who was indicted for murdering an elderly gentleman and his buddies were incensed that the judge had set such an unrealistically high bail on their friend, they were quoted outside the courtroom as as saying, we don't understand what the big blanking deal is. Old people die every day. Whatever. And I get it. I mean, if we just show up accidental-like, and we float around accidental-like like like a feather on a breeze, it all is kind of a big whatever. Whatever but does that set right with you? Isn't there something in your spirit that says, I don't think that's right. I, th- I think there is a destiny. I think there is a purpose. I think there's a reason I'm on this planet. You know, I started wrestling with that uh, years ago, and I started reading scriptures like a, a Jeremiah 29, 11, where God says, for I know the plans I have for you, Plans to give you a whole hope in the future, and that didn't, that didn't sound like a whatever kind of existence to me. It sounded like I had a creator who really had a plan in mind for my life. And I, and I read like uh, Ephesians 1:4, where it says, "Long before God even laid down the foundations of this world." He had us in mind as the focus of his love to be made whole and holy by his love. And that didn't sound like a float around accidental like life to me. It sounded like we had a God who said, you are are my prized creation. I'm going to use you. I'm going to work through you. I'm going to love you. I read like uh, Philippians 1, 6 the Apostle Paul writes this is, I'm confident of this, that, that God who started that good work in you is going to carry it on to completion until the day that Jesus Christ comes back. And what's cool about that is it sounds like to me we have a God who, first of all, wants to move inside of us and do something in us and through us. And the cool part about it is it didn't say until the day you die. It said until the day Jesus Christ comes back. That work that God started inside of you is going to last throughout eternity. It's going it's to do some stuff in other people's lives long after you're dead and gone. And I I read Ephesians, I think it's Ephesians 2.10, where it says, for we are God's what? Masterpiece, Masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do the good works he planned for us all along. And that didn't sound like a whatever kind of existence to me. It sounded like we had a God who just wanted to do some good stuff in and through our lives. And that began to change the way I looked at life. Because to be honest with you, when I was in high school, I was a whatever kind of guy. And to make matters worse, I, was, I went to church, too. Uh, anybody here grow up in church? How many of you grew up in church, but you didn't know God? That was me, man. I just went to church. I grew up in a part of the country people just went to church. I mean, it was like a spoke on the wheel of my life. I had sports. I had school. I had friends. I had job. I had God. I didn't know that Jesus Christ wanted to be the hub of my life and that everything else in my life should revolve around this love relationship with him. So as a result, I was one of those guys that just had like one foot in the light and one foot in the darkness. You ever lived that kind of life where, where I was just trying to fake out whoever I was with? Like if I was with my like really good like Christian friends, I'd try to be a really good guy but with my other guys, I'd try to be, you know, you know, try to fit in with them as well. I could just be whoever I needed to be. And, and, and then after a while, when you live that life long enough, you're trying to figure out which lie did I tell with which group? And how am I gonna cover my tracks and make sure it meshes? It's just, it's exhausting. I mean, living one life's hard enough, right? Living two is nearly impossible. It's just exhausting trying to live two separate lives. And I was kinda coming unravel, and I hated it. And I met this girl. That's just the way it always goes. (laughs) Um, I met this girl, her name was Debbie, and she was incredibly cute. And, but what was really attractive to me about her, was the fact that she was just one person. She was like the real deal. I could tell. She loved God. She loved people. She was full of joy. And I remember thinking, God, that's what I want in my life. And if I could get her too, that'd be like awesome. (laughs) Package deal. (laughs) And so I I went after this girl, Debbie. I mean, I I pursued her with everything I was worth. And uh, the church I was going to as, as a student they were going on this summer, uh, uh, week-long retreat up in northern Minnesota. Never been to Minnesota in my life. Don't care if I ever go back. It's cold up there, and in the summertime, the state bird is the mosquito. They're that big, I and mean, it's just. But, but I, I, if you're from Minnesota, I apologize. But, but it was life-changing. That that week I went, I went, I went on that spring, that that summer retreat. Um, the only reason I went because I asked the guys. I said, "What do you do on those things?" They go, "Well, we just kind of, you know, we have campfires and we." sing some songs, and we talk about God. And I thought, well, that sounds really fun. Uh, I said, is that Debbie girl going? I said, yeah, she's going. to sign me up, dude. So I went. <laughs> Only reason I went, that Debbie girl was going. So I went to pursue this girl all week long. Uh, what I didn't realize is that whole week, God was pursuing me. In fact, he'd been doing that a long time. I just hadn't slowed down long enough to see him. But that week, there's something about those trips when you're a student that just... Caused you to slow down and look at life. And I can remember uh, the last night of that camp, everybody going back to the cabins. I, can, I mean, I got like a, you know, a freeze-frame photo in my mind of that moment. I'm sitting out by this lake in northern Minnesota. Uh, campfire's there. Everybody's gone. I'm sitting out there by myself. And just instinctively, I just put my hands up in the air. And like, like the church I grew up in, Nobody did that. I mean, if you raised your hand in that church, they go, you got a question? Why you got your hand up? I mean, we weren't like expressive worshipers at all. Uh, so, but just instinctively as a broken 17-year-old guy, I just put my hands up in the air. I said, God, I give up. I don't want to live like this anymore. I want to put both feet in the light. I want Jesus Christ to be the forgiver of my sin. I want to, I want to follow him all the days of my life. And you might say that was the moment in my life where I moved from whatever to wherever. And I can't imagine, I could not imagine at that time as a 17-year-old guy, the journey that God would take me on in my life following Jesus. It's been an absolute rush. It's been the adventure of my life. My life is full of purpose and passion these days. And I can't even, I can't even begin to describe to you what God has done uh, inside of me and the change He's made in my life. When I discovered the love of God for me, it was like a brand new thing I'd never heard before. I'm sure I've been, I was taught it, but I never heard it. And when I knew he loved me and I knew who I was in his eyes, man, it changed, changed my life. And I started following him and trying to learn what it meant to follow his voice. And man, I've got to go on so many cool adventures with my life that I never dreamed I would get to go on. Most of my friends from high school are still shocked that I'm doing this with my life. It's just, it's just been an absolute rush. And, and I look around and I see So many people are just kind of floating around accidental-like. And I I see, I meet so many men, especially, because I I hang out a lot with guys and teach guys a lot, Um, but I, I meet a lot of men who are just bored out of their mind with life. And I get it, man. They get up at the same old time, look at the same old face in the same old mirror, brush the same old teeth, get in the same old shower, drive with the same old towel, put on the same old clothes, walk down the same old kitchen, get out the same old bowl, pour in the same old cereal, drink the same old coffee, kiss the same old wife, get in the same old car, go to the same old job, sit at the same old desk, leave at the same old time, get back in the same old traffic, sit in the same old traffic jam, pull in the same old driveway, walk in the same old house, hug the same old kids, sit at that same dinner table, Go, get to the same old recliner, sit in the same old recliner, fall asleep watching the same old sports center, get up and go to the same old bed, ask the same old wife the same old question, get the same old answer, <laughs> roll over, set the alarm, and get up and do the same old thing over again. And I'm not exaggerating. That is life for a lot of people. I don't know about y'all, but I don't want to do same old. I mean, I, 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 uh, <laughs> I heard about a group I heard about a group of 95-year-olds that were surveyed. I don't know how they got them together, but they did. And they asked them this question. If you could live your life over again, what would you do differently? They responded in four ways. The first response was, what was the question? Then once they got it, (laughs) here's what they said. If we could do it all over again, we would reflect more. We would slow down. We'd take in more sunsets. We'd be more grateful. We'd soak in more moments. Second thing they said, we would risk more. We would, do, we, we would take chances. We'd walk by faith. We would, we would see life like it's this big adventure in which you cannot pick the fruit unless you're way out on a limb somewhere. The third thing they said, if we could do it all over again, we would do something with our life that would live on long after we're dead and gone. And I thought to myself, I'm not waiting until I'm 95 to say those things. I'm gonna reflect now. I wanna risk now. I wanna do something right now with my life that's gonna live on long after I'm dead and gone. So who knows when I'm gonna be gone, dead and gone. And I know I know how some of y'all get in the pool, don't you? Just be honest. Some of you walk up to a swimming pool and you stick a toe in and go, whoo, that is cold. And then it's like your foot, oh, that's cold. Your ankles, oh, that's cold. Your knees, whoo, calves, whoo, thighs, whoo, all the way in. It's like, ha, 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 ha. That's no way to get in a pool. How do you get in a pool? Man, you get up on the diving board, and you get a running start, and you do this cannonball thing where you tuck up your knees, and you hit the water, and the water goes flying, and the ripples go out and hit the side, and they come back in, they go back out, and they come back in, they go back out, and if you're really big, they come back in, and they go back out, they come back in, and they go back out. But if the sides of the pool weren't there, the ripples would just keep going and 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 long after you made your splash. And I think that's what God calls us to do. He says, come on. Don't just float around accidentally like like a feather on a breeze. Put your life in my hands. Do a cannonball and touch a life. Who will touch a life? 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 And long after you're dead and gone, we'll still be feeling the ripples of your life. Now, I don't know. Like I said, I, I don't know why and how God has led me on the things he's let me do in my life. I'm extremely grateful for the things I've gotten to do with my life. And one of the things I'm most grateful for, which I never imagined in my lifetime, that I would plant a church uh, along with a group of people in Las Vegas, Nevada. And uh, I remember I was in Kentucky at the time. I got a call to go to Vegas. And I thought, man, church in Vegas? What is that going to be like? Are we going to have like tithe machines in the lobby? You know, uh, I got three Moses. I win. I don't, I don't, I don't know. It, it was a weird, I thought, what is this going to be? Uh, but let me, let me tell you what a church is like in Vegas. It's full of people that were just looking for hope. In fact, we refused to call it sin city. We always called it the city of grace because the Bible says where sin abounds, grace abounds that much more. And to see what God did in this place, it's just amazing I got to go back this year to do their 25th anniversary and it was a it was a thrill for me to see people that were there in the very beginning uh, was just it was incredible to see what God has done in the lives of people uh, the ripple effect that church has made throughout that valley and around the world and it's just it was a thrill and uh, there at the at the services were were these guys that were so screwed up 25 years ago. And one of them was a guy named Jeff. And I don't know whether I like, you know, rippled on a lot of people, but I do know at least i touched his life. And uh, so I saw Jeff at the 25th anniversary. He reminded me of when we first met and stuff. And uh, we, we, we started our church at the Las Vegas YMCA. And it was a cool place to start. We had like Olympic-sized baptistry. We, had, uh, uh, we used <laughs> racquetball courts for kids' classrooms. Can you imagine teaching preschoolers in a racquetball court? It was like, sit down, 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 down. It was like echoes everywhere. It was crazy. But that's what we had. And uh, I played basketball there during the week at, at the Y, pickup games and stuff. I've always been a, kind of a basketball junkie. And so I would show up and play pickup games. And, and uh, this guy pulls me aside after one, after one of the games. and he said, hey, man, uh, can I talk to you for a second? I said, sure. He goes, my name is Jeff. He goes, I've been coming to church here on the other side of the curtain that you guys set up on Sundays. He goes, I've seen you here playing ball. I thought, I'm going to talk to him someday. And he goes, uh, I want to preface this by telling you a couple things. First of all, I'm a really smart guy. He goes, I have a degree in physics, own my own business. I make a lot of money. I'm very successful in the eyes of people. But uh, I got a little drinking problem, but a huge gambling problem. I can't stop. He goes, and maybe maybe it goes back to my competitive drive. I've always played sports. I was an all-American quarterback in college in a small school. He goes. I'm just. I think I can win the next time, and it's just. It's just taking over me. I can't stop. He goes. The other night, man, I went out to my car and I'm searching through the cushions, looking for change, so I can go back in and keep playing in the, in the casino. He goes. And I'm, remember, I'm a smart guy. He goes. But I can't. I can't stop. And I come to your church and I think maybe God's the answer. I said, Well, you're right, dude. And to make a long story short, we started a meeting and stuff. And Jeff, at 35 years old, surrendered his life to Christ like I did when I was 17. And Jeff is one of the most dynamic loves God with all of his heart, kind of guys that I know. And when I went back this January to do the 25th anniversary, he was sitting there with Gary. And I remember, uh, one night, uh, church was about two years old and I get a call from a lady out of the blue in St. Louis, Missouri. I don't know how she got my home number to this day, but she calls me and says, Hey, uh, you have a church in Vegas, right? I said, yes, ma'am, we do. She said, we have a son. He's 21 years old. His name is Gary. He's a football player. He's a big kid. He's got a drinking problem and a gambling problem. We think he's headed to Vegas. Could you keep an eye out for him? (laughs) Seriously? 36 million people come to Vegas every year. Keep an eye out for him? In case you guys don't know this, 36 million is like nothing for God. He pursues you like you're the only person on the planet. So I get a phone call about an hour later, and she says, he's in Vegas. A hotel manager found him, passed out in the parking lot, put him up for the night. Here's where he's at. Could you guys do something? I said, yes, ma'am, we will. So I hung up thinking, what are we going to (laughs) do? So I call up Jeff and go, hey, Jeff, I got a guy for you football player like you, man, gambling problem like you, go get him. He goes, I'm on it. So I gave him the address. He goes down there the next morning, 530 in the morning on a Sunday, bangs on the door to this little hotel behind the strip. Gary swings open the door. He's hung over. He's got vomit on his shirt. And, and Jeff just starts talking. He goes, "Hey, I know all about you, Gary. Your mom, and dad called. I know we know you're here in Vegas for a reason. Uh, my name is Jeff. I, I know you got a gambling problem. I had a gambling problem. I know you've been drinking. I used to drink. All this stuff." He goes, "Come in. T- just take a shower. once want you go to church with me?" And Gary goes, "Excuse me." <laughs> He goes, Yeah, dude. So, I'm sorry I'm here so early, but I'm on the setup team. And we're a portable church. We meet in a high school now, and everything it takes to do church comes off the back of a rider truck. And, dude, you are big. You could really help. <laughs> and Gary goes, Okay. <laughs> takes a shower, gets in the car with a complete stranger in Vegas drives out to Cimarron Memorial High School, stands in the back of a rider truck, handing stacks of chairs out to guys he's never met in his life, sets up the chairs in the gymnasium, sits in one of those chairs, and that day surrendered his life to Christ at 21 years of age, like Jeff did when he was 35. And it was so cool. It was so cool to be back there in January and to know that you know, Jeff's life touched Gary's, and Gary's life touched Darnell's, and Darnell's touched, touched uh, Chris's, and, and on and on it goes, and Gary is now coaching football in, in Las, Las Vegas, rippling on the lives of students, of student-athletes that are under his care and watch. It's just so cool to watch. But that's just the way it goes. Just one life touches a life, touches a life. Who touches a life? Who touches a life? Who touches a life? And the ripples just keep going. When I think about ripples in Vegas, I think about Rachel. And Rachel came up to me at the YMCA. We were meeting there, and she was, she was a beautiful girl, just covered in mascara. She was a wreck. And she just started babbling. She goes, I'm, I'm such a wreck. And I, I, I got this little boy. He's like, he's like, I don't know, he's, he's like two months old. And he doesn't like me. He cries all the time. I didn't want to have him in the first place. So I was going to do an abortion. They talked me out of it. And I got this kid. I don't know what to do. I'm not a good mom. I don't know how to do this. I said, I don't have a clue either. But my wife, Debbie, by the way, I got that Debbie girl. Yeah. <laughs> I said, My wife Debbie is an awesome mom, and she's one of the best people you'll ever meet in your life. Let me hook you up with her. So I hooked Debbie and Rachel up together, and Debbie became her mentor and her mom. And uh, it was just so cool to watch what happened. And uh, I mean, eventually, Rachel ended up moving in with us down the road and uh, just watching her become a great mom. And it was just, it's been cool to watch her life. But it, it was really neat to, to look over here and little section. And here's Rachel and Lori from Caesar's Palace, where, where Rachel worked. And uh, then you see Rachel and Lori and four other people from Caesar's Palace. And then, then 10 people from Caesar's Palace and 16 people from Caesar's Palace. Just one life, touching a life who was touching a life who was touching a life. When I, th- when I think of Ripples, I think of Harold. Harold, uh, he wouldn't mind me telling you this, he would tell you the same thing. Biggest redneck I ever met in my life. He's just a good old boy from Kentucky. And when I met Harold, he said, I know, I know you've been out there in that Sim City and all that stuff, but you ain't never met nobody who's been far away from God as I've been. And he told me a story, he was right. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I I couldn't believe some of the stuff that he had been into. Um, but to make a long story short again, Harold has surrendered his life to Christ when he's fifty. And uh, I asked him to share his <laughs> asked him to share his story one time in front of our in front of our leadership team, a bunch of elders and stuff were we're in the room. I'm, gonna, I'm probably going to regret telling you this, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Well, Harold gets up in front of me and goes, he, he goes, my name's Harold. I'm an old, I used to be an old, filthy, smelly trash can of a man. Now I'm a bright, clean, shiny trash can of a man. <laughs> then he says, he says, boys, I got to tell you something. I'm so on fire for Jesus, there's a flame shooting out my rear end that far. <laughs> I had to take him aside and coach him. I said, you, you know, leave out the flame thing the next time. <laughs> but that was just him. That was just him. And so, uh, so I said, I'd love you to tell your story in front of the whole church if you leave out the flame thing, if you tell, the, tell your story. So I had him and a small group come up one weekend. And they were sitting on stools. And so Harold tells a story. I said, man, it's so cool, man. I said, so how did it all start for you? And Harold looks down at the end of the stools and goes, Stephen down there. He goes, Steve and I were fishing buddies. He told me, Harold, your life is screwed up beyond belief. You need to meet Jesus Christ. And he's brought me to this church, and God changed my life. So that's so cool. Thanks, Stephen. I said, Luke, what about you? He's sitting right next to Harold. I said, Luke, what about you? He goes, Harold? I said, really? He goes, yeah, Harold and I used to do lines of cocaine together. Now we do lines of scripture together. Ain't that cool? (laughs) So that's so cool man I said Tim what about you he goes Luke I mean all the way we didn't plan it this way all the way down the line it was just one guy who touched another guy's life who touched another guy's life who touched another guy's life that's the way this thing works when I think of ripples I think of nanny our 103 year old grandma coolest lady you'll ever you'll ever want to meet I, I I can't wait for you guys to meet her in heaven someday she was she's a trip she was just so cool uh, she's the first person I ever heard say when you get to be 100 Don't buy green bananas. This is good advice. I mean, think about that. Get them right, man. You don't know. Next day, you just don't know. (laughs) Smart lady. But um, we threw a big birthday party for her on her 100th birthday. You know, her face was on the Smucker's Jam thing in today's show, or picture in the newspaper, that kind of stuff. And she'd never had any notoriety in her life. I mean, Nanny, she never had a driver's license in her lifetime. Uh, She never went to college, never had any money. Uh, her husband died. I mean, she was a widow for almost 50 years, over 103. Wow. And she raised six girls wow. in a little bitty house in Lexington, Kentucky with one bathroom. That's heroic enough, six <laughs> girls in one bathroom. And, um, but you know what she did? She goes, you know, I may never make the front page of the paper in my lifetime, but I'm going to pour my life and my love into those six girls. And you know what those six girls did. They poured their life and their love into their three or four kids. You know what those three or four kids have done? They poured their life and their love and their faith into their three or four kids. And I stood there at that 100th birthday party watching all these people file in this little bitty house to say thank you to this little wrinkled woman sitting in a little cotton house dress in the corner who they'd never met in their life. Because some way along the line, her life had touched their life. And I got all emotional standing there watching it because one of those six girls was a girl named Molly who had this really cute daughter named Debbie, (laughs) who changed my life. (laughs) Debbie and I have a daughter named Jody, and I hope you get to meet Jody sometime. Jody's a phenomenal girl. She's on the church plant team in Ventura, California. That's why we're out there helping them out and stuff, and she's amazing. What God does through this girl is pretty cool, but when she was in high school, it wasn't quite like that. She kind of got off the rails her junior year of high school and uh, started Falling into whatever kind of crowd. And um, I want to say this to all you parents. Uh, you can do a phenomenal job of parenting. Not saying that we did, but we, we tried really hard with, with God's grace. Uh, your kids are still fallible human beings with a free will. They can make their own decisions. And Jody started making some bad decisions that started spiraling out of control where she didn't know how to get out of it. And we started hearing about some of this stuff. And we tried lots of different things. But uh, eventually I just started praying, God, is your kid. I can't be with her 24-7. You can. I know, I know you love her more than I do. Uh, and God, also, I just pray that she would become a lousy liar. That was my prayer as a dad. And she was a lousy liar. She couldn't cover her tracks worth anything. And finally, it started all coming unravel like a cheap sweater, and she didn't know what to do. And so finally, when she was 17, she said, you know what? I want to surrender my life to Jesus Christ. And she did. And it was so cool to see the life transformation happen in her throughout the years. Uh, when she graduated from high school she decided uh, I don't want to go to college right away I want to go to Haiti and work in this medical mission that we've been on short ter- short-term mission trips there and she says I want to go there and spend the next year working in that medical mission and orphanage I said you are you sure about that because we Jody you know we've been and it, it's a it's a tough place first of all it's 3,000 miles away from home it's the poorest country in the western hemisphere where you're going is just so oppressed by voodoo I mean, you could just hear voodoo drums beating through the hills at nighttime. It was spooky. It's like really kind of a darkness, like an oppression there. Lots of drug trafficking stuff is going on. I said, You sure you want to do that? She goes, Yep. I think that's where God wants me to go. One of the hardest things I ever did was put my little girl on an airplane and go, Okay, God, she really is your kid. And you got to take care of her and use her life. And God did amazing things in her life and through her life. Uh, that year was tough to communicate with her because there wasn't like cell coverage. We we had to trust these emails that would bounce off ham radio signals. She was in a kind of a remote part of the island. Didn't have the technology we do today. But uh, one night we got this crystal clear email from Jody. It said, Mom and Dad, this is one of the coolest nights of my life. I got called out in the middle of the night to deliver a baby. And she goes, I've never delivered a baby in my life. But I was with a nurse the day before. And they thought since I was with the nurse, I was also a nurse. And the real nurse wasn't available, so they came and got me. So I show up at this hut and there's this naked, screaming, pregnant woman on the dirt floor of this hut getting ready to give birth, and, I, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, God, I'm 3,000 miles away from home. I'm 18 years old. I've, I have a flashlight and no clue how to do this, and she said, I started thinking. I watched the nurse the other day deliver a baby, so how did how does she do it? So I was sort of thinking through all that kind of stuff. She goes, so I'm getting ready to do this, and this visitor walked in the hut. She goes, she was dressed in like a Uh, The red and blue, it's kind of a red and blue garb outfit thing that, for lack of a better term, a voodoo priestess uh, would wear, like a kind of a witch doctor type person. This lady walks in the hut, and Jody said, immediately, the woman on the floor starts freaking out. And they're talking in Creole. She can't really understand anything that's going on. The lady starts walking around them chanting something. Jody didn't know what it was. She just knew it wasn't good. Then she stopped at the woman's head put some kind of ointment on the woman's head. The woman's freaking out. And she said, this lady just started staring a hole through me as I'm getting ready to deliver this baby. And I thought, oh, my goodness, what am I do- What am I going to do? I'm 18 years old. I'm 3,000 miles away from home in the middle of nowhere in this hut with a naked, screaming, pregnant woman and a voodoo lady staring a hole through me. She goes, Mom and Dad, I didn't know what to do. I knew she didn't understand English. So I just started singing. Our God is an awesome God he reigns from heaven above wisdom power and love our God is an awesome God she goes the lady just kind of came unglued and ran out of the hut and I delivered the baby and I knew the baby was going to be born with the blessing of God not some silly curse of darkness <laughs> and, and I'm reading this email I'm reading it on email as her dad Thinking, what are you doing in a hut with a voodoo woman? You get on a plane tomorrow. We got puppies and ice cream and really nice pillows, and you need to come home. But in the next breath, you can ask Debbie. I said, wait a ripple, girl. Because who knows whose life that little baby she delivered that night, whose life they're going to grow up and touch, whose life they're going to grow up and touch, whose life they're going to touch, whose life they're going to touch, whose life they're going to touch. Because one courageous 18-year-old kid said, I'm sick and tired of floating around accidental like like a feather on a breeze. I'm going to put my life in the hands of the destiny maker, and I'm going to make some ripples with my life. So, gang, you got a choice. You got a choice. Jesus said this in Mark 8, 35, only those who are willing to throw away their lives, only those who are willing to cannonball for my sake, will ever know what it means to really, really live. Don't you want to really, really live? You see, you you can float around, accidentally like like a feather on a breeze if you want to, or you could put your life in the hands of the destiny maker and just make some ripples with your life. That's all I have to say about that. (laughs) Let's pray. (laughs) Father, uh, just so grateful for the life you've called us to. Grateful that you woke us up today, put breath in our lungs again, so we can make a difference in this world. God, a lot of us we were floating around, whatever kind of people, and you got a hold of us through your love. You transformed us, and you took us places and. Crisscrossed our paths with people we never dreamed we'd meet, and places we never dreamt we'd we'd go. And you did things on the inside of us. You took out selfishness. You you took out pride. You 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 took out envy. You took out jealousy. You took out anger. You took out lust. You took out all kinds of junk on the inside of us, and transformed us. And the good news is, you you're not gonna you're not gonna stop. You're gonna keep keep on going. You're gonna you're gonna finish what you started. And I'm so grateful for the inside out transformation you're doing in so many of our lives. And and God, I I pray that today, even even today when we leave this place, you just put put somebody in our path that just needs a touch from you. And who knows what will happen? God, help us just to keep it that simple. Just to love you with all of our heart, love our neighbor as ourself and just try to touch people when you you put them in our path. And God, who knows what will happen down the road and and the ripples that will go on through eternity because of our obedience to you. So God, just challenge us today and Thank you for purpose, and thank you for a plan, and thank you for direction, and thank you for truth. And I pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ, who is the truth. Amen.
1: So what do you say we make some ripples? What a lot of you might not know is in the year 2000 and 2001, I loaded my family up in a U-Haul truck and headed for Kentucky to do my doctoral work right outside of Lexington. And in God's sovereignty, God landed my young family at a church called Southland where there was a pastor there by the name of Mike Bro. and his ministry and his teaching and his influence put ripples in my life that have rippled throughout New Hope Church now for 16 years. <clears throat> Bro, that that applause is our way of saying, man, we are thrilled you are a part of the New Hope family. But now what? Like, we, we don't ever want you to come and have a Sunday experience, and it's just all about us. What, what happens now? What is the next step? The vision of New Hope Church is what? Reach, teach, release. And so, what do you say we go out and we start releasing some ripples for the kingdom of God? What I've been saying a little lately, you've heard this in my teaching in the last six months from the seats to the streets. Say that with me. From the seats to the streets. One more time. From the seats to the streets. The church for way too long has been all about come and see, come and see, come and see. I believe it is time the church goes and we be the body of Christ. And so I want to I show you something real quick. We're going to wrap this worship celebration. Stay put. We're going to sing one final song. But I want to show you what it looks like to go from the seats to the streets, we are thrilled to introduce to you. For the very first year, we've been dreaming about this for years and it's finally coming to fruition. It's called Week of Hope. Check it out. Hope. We know what it looks
0: like on a Sunday. We know what it feels like to be welcomed and to be served. We know where our hope comes from. But how do we share that with our city? And what if we put hope into action and went from the seats to the streets? What if everyone gave one? One hour, one day, one smile. So let's get up. Let's get out. Let's meet our friends somewhere and walk streets we haven't walked. Let's get our hands dirty. Let's feed the hungry. Let's turn strangers into neighbors. Let's bring hope to the hopeless and show others how it feels to be loved and how it feels to be served. Let's make sure people know that they are not forgotten because that's how we bring hope to our city. And that's how we put hope into action.
1: May 14th. Through the 21st. That is a week from now. We're inviting every single one of you. Look at your neighbor and say he's talking to you. Every single one of you, we're inviting you to give one hour. The the, the tagline of Week of Hope is everyone give one. Everyone give one hour. And if everybody in our church, and we're not sure of the numbers, it's kind of crazy these days, but it's somewhere around 7,000. If 7,000 people went out during that week and gave one hour to the glory of God, can you imagine what God could do with us in one week of hope? Do me a favor, indulge me for a moment. Take out your cell phone, would you please? Take out your cell phone. Take out your cell phone, please. We're inviting everyone who considers New Hope their church home. From the Carolinas to the Kenya. We're inviting you right now to take out your phone and text to this number. 27126. You can trust it. It's all New Hope driven. We're not sending you to another agency. We're spearheading this. 27126. That's the number that you're texting to. And then put in the content box, if you will. Put Week of Hope. No spaces. Week of Hope. No spaces to 27126. If you do that right now, we've already tested it. It worked beautifully at all the campuses all at the same time. You will get a message back right away from us as a church. And in that message, you can Click on that message or tap that message and it will open up. I don't know how many opportunities, but across the movement at all of our campuses and in Kenya, it's like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of serving opportunities. And then... You just pick one that works for you and your family. Take your kids. Life groups do it together. Friends do it together. Maybe you don't have any and you're here to find community. Just come to these things and you'll meet new hopers. And again, the the vision is that for one week every single year, of course we do it throughout the year. We're always serving and we're always doing mission trips. But one week throughout the year, we saturate the geographical areas around our campuses With the love of Christ. And we serve the least of these. Matthew 25. We have shirts at all of our campuses. We have all sizes of shirts. From teeny little shirts for your little kids. To adults. To big adults. The people that that bro talked about when they do cannonballs. The waves go out and they come back in. Regardless of your size. We have a t-shirt for you. And we want to go serve and make a splash, make a ripple for the kingdom of God. Amen? Everyone gives one. We can do this. And we're excited about it. When you leave today, there's stations that got one in the rotunda and on the patio. The response was so overwhelming in last celebration. We were blown away that, that we have two stations, one on the rotunda, one on the patio. You pick up your shirt today and you get ready to engage in Week of Hope. We together release ripples for the kingdom. Our ushers are going to come forward in just a moment. This is why we do things like an offering every week, by the way. Because your resources, those that that generously support the ministries and missions of this church, they are going forth to make ripples. If you're a guest here, don't worry about this offering. Let it pass you by. This is our gift to you. And let's stand in just a moment whenever you're ready and sing a song that is all about what we've talked about today. And I want to invite you to let the song be your prayer. God, build my life. Build my life on the rock-solid foundation so that I can live out a destiny, a passion, a purpose for you and you alone. Hey, we're glad you're here today. Let us continue to worship God.